the greenhouse gas protocol, which has been around for over 20 years, is kind of the, the first attempt to provide a, a framework. It's used by companies to measure their scope one, scope two and scope three emissions, essentially with the goal of being able to report where are carbon emissions coming from across the globe. Across the globe. Sustainable advertising is now a vibrant, active movement, and that's important because for the first time, success extends far beyond our ecosystem. We're striving to build a better ad ecosystem to not only improve advertising, but also to create a healthy planet and a decarbonized economy. With all this momentum around building a sustainable future, the question we must now answer is evident. Can we chart a direct path to how what we actually do impacts emissions reductions in a meaningful way? I'm so excited to have Ann Coughlin, COO and co-founder of Scope3, with me here today to discuss the ins and outs of measuring emissions and why we're confident the industry now has exactly what it needs to reduce its carbon footprint. Hi, Ann. Hi, Alison. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for being here. So I guess before we sort of get started, tell me a little bit about you and about Scope3 and about sort of your position in the market. Yeah, absolutely. So Scope3 is a 15-month-old company now. We were founded at the beginning of last year, and we really founded the company with this one idea, how can we help the industry to decarbonize? So we're a, a group of ad tech veterans. And so we have a lot of experience and deep knowledge of the inner workings of the industry. And we knew when we started the company that there, the advertising ecosystem has a significant carbon footprint. And so uh, we started to speak with players across the ecosystem to educate and help them to understand that there could be something that they could do about it. Awesome. So can you give me a high level sort of overview on sustainability and advertising right now and what where is the industry at and do you feel that there's sort of like momentum now that there hasn't been before i think it's a really great question so sustainability is a big loaded heavy word i always think and tie try and tie back what we're doing here to the un sustainable development goals so there are 17 of them and the one that we at scope 3 focus on and i think the one that kind of really gets a lot of attention is the 13th one, which is around climate action. And the reason for that is, as, as a climate scientist um, put it uh, quite recently on a TED talk I was listening to, mitigating the impact of the rising temperatures is a way of reducing what's called like, like a threat multiplier. So sustainability um, is kind of the, the problem that we're all trying to solve, but how do we focus on the first thing first? Like what's the most important thing that we need to, to be looking at? And so as an industry, aligning and deciding on what we should be doing is pretty pre-competitive and needs to be pre-competitive. And this is kind of a, a term that is being used uh, more and more in the industry because um, this is a problem that is beyond just us, right? This is a problem that's just beyond our day-to-day -day workings in offices or working remotely where we're trying to work out how to uh, optimize, manage media campaigns or to um, create revenue as a, as a publisher. This matters for the future of humanity. And, and that's quite a big uh, statement, but it's really true. 
Yeah. So talk about how um, scope three is helping the industry sort of be pre-competitive about it. I think, you know, it's particularly in advertising and media and marketing, it's very competitive. And I think that's like, that's in the DNA of a lot of companies, right? So how is what Scope 3 provides um, sort of, and, and what you're sort of building in the industry, how does that enable pre-competitive cooperation? Yeah. So I think the first thing that we think a lot about from a pre-competitive standpoint is how can we all learn together and how can we all learn in public? So the first thing when you're thinking about uh, understanding the carbon footprint of this industry or the carbon footprint of yourselves as a business is how do we measure that? And how do we make sure that the measurement that we are uh, holding ourselves accountable to is accurate and true? And so what we've been doing at Scope 3 is really this learning in public. We have open sourced our methodology, uh, which is kind of available for people to peruse, to not only peruse, but uh, contribute to, uh, make criticisms, make give us questions, tell us that a data point that we're using as part of our model to help measure the um, the emissions of the ecosystem is is wrong or could be improved, or you know there's new scientific evidence and data that's come out that we should be incorporating. And so um, I think that that kind of collaborative uh, nature and approach, uh, we hope is is also kind of translating into other businesses and how they are uh, working together uh, to um, come to kind of this one uh, framework, one standard as to what we should be doing as an industry. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, when I talk to them about sustainability, that is the question that comes up, right? It's like, where do we start? There's so many things that we could be tackling. There's so much to learn. Where does the industry start from your perspective? And maybe you can talk about some of the things you've been doing in the programmatic space. Yeah. So um, we released today a uh, kind of first state of sustainable advertising report. Um, it's kind of the, the Q1 iteration of it where we look and are fin- finally, for the first time, I think, able to say from an industry perspective, the actual impact, the real impact of programmatic um, advertising on carbon emissions. So how many metric tons of carbon does this industry um, emit by virtue of its existence? How many thousands of servers are you know spinning up every second to uh, deliver ads in a, in a programmatic way? And so across kind of the five key markets that we looked at, the UK, the US, Germany, France, and Australia, um, on a monthly basis, we see 215,000 metric tons of carbon being emitted. And that's pretty significant if you think about the amount of uh, petrol or if you're in the US, gasoline, you would need to fill um, to, to run cars on. It's 35 Olympic swimming pools of that wow. equivalent. So it's a real world impact and something that we need to kind of um, I think contextualizing that and putting that into perspective means that it's something that people can start thinking, okay, well, actually I need to do something about this and I need to bring this into my day-to-day job. Yeah. I think contextualizing it is so important because like, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really know what that meant until you said the Olympic swimming pools sort of comparison. Right. So like, how does like, how does the industry sort of learn how to speak some of this like sustainability language? How can we translate it so people know what they're actually striving towards? Yeah. So I think 
you know, this has been a problem that we we had um, and we've had as an industry in the past couple of years is really making this tangible. So, you know, we would speak, you know, at the beginning of our scope three journey with publishers, with brands, and we would say, you know, this is a this is a real problem. Digital digital advertising is is contributing to the rising temperatures globally. And I think the problem is that um, data centers and servers and kind of the the mechanics and the machinery that is being used is is hidden. And uh, it's not something that we really think about. Um, you know, I think the images that you see in PowerPoint decks of um, of data centers, everything looks so clean and pristine. It's not like looking at Im- images from the Industrial Revolution where you see factories and there's pillow billows of smoke uh, coming out of chimneys, and you can kind of tie that back to this idea of pollution. And um, and so that, that that that's been a challenge. So I think for us, like having data making the story real and tying it back to equivalences that we as as humans as as consumers as people that live on this planet can relate to is really really important as a, as a first step yeah i mean i'm looking through some of the highlights of your study and something that's really uh stood out to me is that just over 60 percent of advertising emissions come from ad selection meaning most emissions come from a notoriously complex supply chain i think everyone's been talking about the complexity of the programmatic supply chain for decades at this point, right? Like, do you think that um, this provides even more incentive to kind of like clean things up? And what does this mean in terms of like the, the complexity of how we buy and sell media? When you think about a complex supply chain or a complex system in general, there's going to, that's going to mean that there are there is wastage, there is redundancy, there is overuse, and there is difficulty in being able to understand. The more complex the system is, the harder it is to to get into to the weeds. Um, and so I think what our what our data shows in that the majority of emissions come from this um, this this kind of section is not surprising. But I think to your point, it really shows that. Um, sustainability and thinking about that in the context of streamlining, improving, optimizing the ecosystem and media buying go hand in hand. And Mm -hmm. so it's not a having sustainability as an additional checkpoint in your list of media KPIs, if you're a buyer or in, you know, the list of um, the things that you're being asked to do if you're, if you're a publisher, it should actually be part of like the same checklist of, of things that you should be doing to be continuing to kind of evolve um, how you're um, how you're working. Uh, so so yeah, I think it's um, it's a, a real data point in pointing out some of the things that we've known for, for years about the complexity of this ecosystem. Another really interesting thing we saw in your report is that the top 10% of highest emitting website domains generate 33.5 thousand metric tons of carbon emissions monthly. And if you cut those worst 10 domains, you would save the equivalent of 3,449 road trips around planet Earth, 360 times to the moon or nearly a trip to the sun. So like if there's so much um, concentration among like the top 10 percent of of domain emitters, like it does that make this an easier problem to tackle in terms of just going to them and saying like clean up your 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 systems uh i think it makes it easier to tackle 
I don't think it's a question of going to them and, and asking them to, because I think what we see and what we've seen in previous studies is that there is a correlation between the highest emitting, you can say kind of worst offending sites from a carbon emissions perspective, and actually sites that are adding little value um, all the way through to kind of made for advertising and fully fraudulent sites. It makes sense, right? If you have a domain that is focused on um, getting maximizing as much revenue as possible, regardless of the content, regardless of the user experience, there are going to be a lot of ad slots on that page. And they're going to be trying to plug in with every, as many partners as they can, necessarily creating this really complicated supply chain, mm. which has a lot of emissions. So I think from a from a kind of a buying perspective, it's really easy. Just stop buying these really high emitting uh, sites. And that actually should see kind of knock on positive consequences within the ecosystem of kind of redistributing uh, yeah. spend to areas where, you know, there are lower emissions, but also there are kind of better outcomes anyway for, for a brand. Yeah, I would imagine that those sites are not where advertisers want to be anyway in the most premium <laughs> they're not the most premium places so um talk about why scope three is all about measurement right and and sort of like making the problem visible talk about why that's so important and why that's sort of the key to getting the industry on board with this yeah um i'm going to take a step back actually beyond like outside of the industry for a second. So the greenhouse gas protocol, which has been around for over 20 years, is kind of the, the first attempt to provide a, a framework. It's used by companies to measure their scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions, essentially with the goal of being able to report where are carbon emissions coming from across the globe. Um, what we know is that the difference between this kind of accounting and I don't know financial accounting is that we can actually measure the amount of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. When I say we, I mean like scientists are actually doing that and doing tests in the atmosphere. And we know that there's a 40% difference between what is reported by companies globally and what's actually happening in the air. And so being able to measure this, I think there's there's a, there are a few things that I've been thinking about as to why this is so important. So one is like accountability, being able to make sure that you are measuring correctly. Two is making taking action and making decisions in the right places. I think we are, you know, we have finite number of hours in the day. There are fewer than seven years until 2030 when, uh, you know, the, the Paris Agreement says that we should be doing everything we can up to like up to that point and beyond to not go beyond um, the 1.5 degrees um, cl uh, cl uh, climate planetary uh, temperature increase. And so um, we need to, to make sure that we're focusing our time on tackling not just low hanging fruit, but the right low hanging fruit. If we mm. spend, or if I spend, you know, my entire day working on something, and I'm going to reduce my um, output by 15 kilograms of uh, carbon versus doing spending the same amount of time but focusing on something which will, you know, have a huger, much more outsized impact and reduce uh, tons and tons of carbon, I should be spending my time there. And then I think the third thing is that we're a really data driven industry. And um, we want to be measuring and tracking success and progress. And that actually can, uh, I know we talked about pre-competition earlier, but I also think that 
everyone kind of moving and trying to do the right thing and talking about that um, in a um, genuine wanting to make progress way means that we're going to be pushing each other um, ahead quicker. And Mm -hmm. so um, having that measurement and having kind of like baseline for yourselves, for the industry and being able to track um, hopefully reduction over time um, should, I think, speed up as well the reduction that we see. Yeah. So what are some of the most surprising or interesting things that you've learned in the past year of measuring carbon emissions? That's a great question. I could talk probably longer than the the time that we have. Um, So I think firstly is that there is a lot of complexity in the supply chain. That's not surprising. But what I think has been um, really fascinating at Scope 3 is the way that we have been able to pick out and model nuances from a country by country basis, um, from a publisher basis within uh, the ecosystem. So if you're buying an impression from a, a publisher that has international readership, uh, they might have a different uh, ad tech setup, so a different supply chain, depending on whether the user is in uh, the UK or the US or Australia. And so being able to actually map and model that is really important and valuable so that if you're a brand making a decision uh, on a campaign that's local in one specific geo, you're able to understand the supply chain for that country versus another country. So I think understanding and being able to map nuances like that has been really kind of interesting and a fun kind of technical challenge for for us to make that then that data actionable. I think the other surprising thing that we've seen is that as part of our model, we try and pull in sustainability report data from companies. And there are not that many companies already doing this on Mm. an annual corporate sustainability uh, perspective. So we know that there are there is legislation coming in that will require more reporting. So in Europe, there's the CSRD, the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive that comes into effect in 2024 for large companies where they will have to start reporting that. But really there is um, a, a lack of data from the corporate side that we've we've noted has, is kind of surprisingly lacking. Um, mm. So starting to see um, more uh, good examples and some companies that are obviously further ahead, uh, particularly in the publisher space where they are reporting and tracking changes and, and we're seeing good results there. But I think for me, surprising how, how little um, there already is in the ecosystem. Yeah, I think we've actually noticed that as well. We just did a big report on like 50 different um, advertising agencies and quite a few of them don't seem to be paying like that much attention to sustainability. I mean, they might have some sort of targets at the holding company level, but it does sort of seem like there needs to be a lot more tracking and data collection going on. Um, What can sort of like, I think think a lot of times this space can be really, like we said before, overwhelming, like where would you sort of advise marketers, agencies, publishers to get started if they haven't started yet? I think there are lots of different ways that companies can get started in different areas of the business. From a programmatic advertising perspective, I think what the data in our report shows today is that there are clear 
pockets of wins. Um, so, and, and those clear pockets of wins where it's not at risk of debt, um, detrimental risk to performance of campaigns. Uh, it can be done kind of hand in hand and that can actually augment the um, the effectiveness of a campaign if you're thinking about reducing carbon emissions. So I would say that kind of a, as, a, as a first step, uh, recognizing that taking action against um, first measurement is not something that should be scary. It should be something that's exciting and something that uh, can actually make real tangible difference uh, quickly. Yeah, yeah. And then so what's, tell me about, now you just released your first report. What's next for Scope 3? How are you pushing this mission forward? So the first report is uh, the state of sustainable advertising for programmatic display and app. We've been working really hard to expand our coverage. So from a methodology perspective, understanding and being able to give the data that's needed to um, to brands who are also running campaigns that are not programmatic uh, display and app campaigns. So our next report will include uh, social um, and we're also running uh, pilots and tests for uh, connected TV as well. So expanding out our methodology to be able to put this data in the hands of, of more people so that they can start making smart decisions. Awesome. Well, it's it's amazing what you guys are doing in the industry. It's such an important topic um, and thing for us to all be focusing on. So thank you so much for being here with me and chatting about this. We'll look forward to seeing what you guys do. Thanks, Alison. 